Hi, this is the Kevin Bass Show. In this podcast, I'm going to be discussing the latest new trends, investigations, discoveries, and controversies in the fields of health, health science, nutrition, fitness, and medicine. I am both endlessly overjoyed by the discovery of new knowledge and incredibly happy to share it with you, but also relentlessly critical of anything that is unlikely to pan out or unlikely to be true or useful. Through this dynamic interplay, I make this podcast one of the most intellectually exciting and vibrant among any in this space, both tremendously respected as well as reviled by other prominent health influencers and popular media icons. I draw upon my extensive network of scientists, influencers, thinkers, and thought leaders to bring to you a distilled version of what I believe is the proper take on the latest new ideas and trends in these fields. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to The Kevin Bass Show. A bit about my background and a disclaimer. I have uh, nearly 20 years either studying medical science or being in a laboratory conducting medical science. Nonetheless, I am only a MD-PhD student. I'm not yet a medical doctor. And even if I was, nothing that I'm discussing here would be medical advice, simply a interpretation of the medical literature by a person who reads voraciously and thinks incessantly about how to think about scientific problems and their practical application to health. Correspondingly, you should only take this as such, and always, if you have an idea that you take from this podcast that you want to apply to your own life, you should always talk to your doctor before doing so, and never construe anything you hear as medical advice. And with that, enjoy The Kevin Bass Show. There is a core contradiction in the way that resistance training promoters, advocates, proponents promote resistance training. When it comes to promoting resistance training for health, lifting bros want it both ways. For example, they refuse to let anyone criticize any of their current lifting practices. Despite an injury rate, between one to two injuries per year for most strength sports. Many will become livid, attack critics, and find endless rationalizations for why the downsides of widely prevalent practices aren't acceptable. They downplay increasing rates of body dysmorphia among men in the Western world. The rates of body dysmorphia are steadily increasing among men They downplay the prevalence of eating disorders among weightlifters and bodybuilders. They downplay the psychological and physical risks associated with many of the lifestyles idolized by their communities, mainly related to the body dysmorphia and eating eating disorder issue. And uh, as I've mentioned, they downplay uh, the high rate of injury. And we'll talk about that in a moment, this high rate of injury. In the same breath, they extol, nonetheless, they extol the health benefits of resistance training. They compare it to medicines 
listing endless benefits. And we can see here a post by Brad Schoenfeld, a lifting bro come scientist who has the ultimate pill leading to all these great benefits, but they're incidentally in this figure is not a single risk listed. If anybody knows anything about medicines, every medicine has risks and a balanced understanding of whether or not to take that medicine and evaluation of the risks and benefits, you absolutely need the risks in order to, to do such a thing, to, to, to decide whether to take a medicine. And yet, this isn't presented at all. Only the benefits. It's as if... It's as if either resistance training is being promoted, not in order to give people a choice, but only in order to tell people that they must do it in order to get these benefits without listing the harms. Or within the community of people who already do resistance training, people just want to feel better about what they do. So Brad posts this so that he makes people around him feel better about the things that they already like. But let's imagine that there was a drug that produced one to two substantial injuries per year. And it did so as long as the person took the drug. And we're talking shoulder injuries, torn pec muscles, um, herniations of discs in the spine, being immobilized from lumbar spine injuries knee injuries that make it impossible to get in and out get in and out of the car for a period of time these are the kinds of injuries people often experience at a rate of 1 to 2 per year according to a very important and well respected publication on the topic that I'll be linking in the show notes and in the description now imagine that some of these acute injuries from this drug that we're talking about this hypothetical drug, some of these injuries would eventually culminate in lifelong chronic injuries. So that ends up being 10 to 20 acute injuries at a rate of one to two injuries per year, 10 to 20 acute injuries per decade, 10 to 20 acute injuries per decade, and some chronic injuries to go along that are going to last for the rest of your life. That's the drug that we're talking about. Imagine a drug like that. Imagine a drug like that. Would you take it? Would you take that drug? And that's just on average. That's the average person. And that's just injuries coming from strength training. There's other things that come from strength training, as I've already pointed out. Would you take such a drug? I wouldn't. Most people wouldn't. So yeah, you have this stuff about strength and power, insulin sensitivity, athletic prowess, cardiovascular health, but you're injuring yourself one to two injuries per year. Would you take that drug? I would say most people would not. So here we have Brad showing only the benefits, none of the risks, promoting only the good side, showing none of the bad side, and refusing, in a sense, to even talk about the bad side. 
But the bad side is really a big freaking bad side. That's such a huge bad side. That's massive. Most people don't want to do that for health benefits and much less, let's even think about this, much less do people want to like work really, really hard two to three times per week for the rest of their lives in the gym, like really work hard. And then they're working really hard just to get injured one to two times per year and then have these purported health benefits and then have some chronic injuries, 10 to 20 injuries per decade. That's what people are working their asses off for. Most people will not take that trade-off. Most people will not take that. And guess what? Most people don't reach the physical activity guidelines, especially with respect to resistance training. Why is that, do you think? Part of the reason I propose in this video is that the injury rate is too freaking high and bros want to have their cake and eat it too and have a really high injury rate a really high injury rate to something that they purport is like a medicine in terms of its benefits, it's drug-like, and they want everybody to do that. That's crazy. Nobody's going to do that. Most people aren't going to do that unless they just really love to lift for reasons not related to the health benefits. Because guess what? That health benefit risk trade-off is not very freaking good for a medicine. Most really powerful good medicines that help people don't have that trade-off. Maybe chemotherapy has a trade-off like that. Most drugs do not have an average of one and two injuries per year, the equivalent side effect of that. Most don't. That's a lot. Think of the best drugs that we have on market, the best longevity drugs. Most people are going to hate this, but it's statins. Statins. Most people don't get muscle problems from statins. Most people don't get side effects from statins, especially low-dose statin. Okay? That's a longevity drug. And there's not much side effects. Now, one to two injuries per year, you added that onto a statin, even fewer people would take them. Already people don't want to take them, and even fewer people would take them as a result. So would these side effects, one to two injuries per year, be acceptable to many people? No way. Would many people forego the drug, especially if it required a large amount of effort every single week to take? You bet they would forego that drug. They would definitely not take that drug. So let's. what explains the contradictions here? What explains these contradictions? On the one hand, treating resistance training as if it were extremely important for a tool for longevity. This is what the bros do. They treat resistance training as if it is an extremely important tool for longevity, yet... They are extremely resistant to changing the culture around resistance training in order to reduce the risk of injury and harm and make it optimally healthy for the average person. They're extremely resistant to talking about better exercises to reduce the rate of injury, even though these rates of injury would be totally unacceptable for any other health intervention. What explains that contradiction of promoting it as if it's like a normal health intervention like any other amazing one? which also has this really high injury rate, which nobody would accept for any other health intervention. Huh, amazing health intervention with these terrible harms? Isn't that ridiculous? And yet they're not willing to even for a moment question how to make things better for the average person. That's anathema. They get enraged when you discuss why their training practices should be different. Here's another contradiction. 
Oh, sorry. Not another contradiction. I'm going to continue. But what explains this contradiction? The answer is pretty simple. Lifting bros simply enjoy resistance training. And they enjoy positive messages about it as a result. But they don't want to question what they are doing or what they are promoting to make their message fully coherent. That's why this coherence, incoherence exists. They promote the good news about resistance training, claiming that they want everybody to engage with it. But if you try to rip it out of its cult and say that it should be different than what it is, less hardcore and toxic, they don't want to do the actual work of making it more accessible to the person who finds this toxic bro culture off-putting and current training practices and programming risky. This is not unlike the diet communities that I've criticized in the past. In fact, it's exactly the same phenomenon. The resistance training community is its own worst enemy. The resistance training community doesn't want for its practices to be accept accessible to the general population. The resistance training community wants for resistance training to be unappealing to the general population and for few people to do it. If more people did resistance training, then resistance training virtue signaling wouldn't be special anymore. They want to keep it hardcore. They want to pretend it has these amazing health benefits and they want to deny the risks that are unacceptable to most people who would use any other kind of health intervention because that's their cult. That's the cult of resistance training. If you've liked this podcast, check me out on Patreon, leave a comment on my YouTube, and then check out the book that I'm putting together on this topic and on the right kinds of programming to limit as much as possible the risk from resistance training and make the best gains the best joint and muscle longevity that one can achieve. Do this all if you want to support me. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Peace. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please check me out on patreon.com at Kevin and Bass, where you can donate and make this podcast possible. Also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where you can find my latest thoughts on the latest controversies and findings within health science. Also check me out at The Kevin Bass Show, both on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. I hope this podcast was useful to you. If it was, please leave me a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. See you guys in the next episode. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.